Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. And we start with an environmental disaster unfolding in Orange County here in Southern California. A 126,000-gallon oil spill from a pipeline rupture off the coast of Huntington Beach has fouled Orange County waters and forced the closure of beaches. Dead birds and fish have washed up on shore, and the spill threatens sensitive wetlands habitat, like at Orange County's Bayona Ecological Reserve. Here's Huntington Beach Mayor Kim Carr speaking at a news conference yesterday. Our wetlands are being degraded and portions of our coastline are now covered in oil. In the coming days and weeks, we challenge the responsible parties to do everything possible to rectify this environmental catastrophe. The ruptured pipe, which connects to an offshore oil platform, is owned by a subsidiary of Houston, Texas-based Amplify Energy Corporation. The Coast Guard is working with state and local authorities to respond to the disaster using skimming equipment and booms to collect the oil, and the damaged pipeline has reportedly been patched. But it's feared local beaches could be closed for weeks or even months. From petroleum to the pandemic, California students will be required to get vaccinated in order to attend classes once they're eligible for the shot. In his announcement on Friday, Governor Gavin Newsom said there needs to be a clear and consistent standard for all school districts in the state. We want to end this pandemic. We are all exhausted by it. And the purpose of this is to continue to lead in that space. I believe we will be the first state in America to move forward Uh, with this mandate and requirement, but I do not believe by any stretch of the imagination will be the last state. State Senator Richard Pan from Sacramento, who's also a pediatrician, says the student vaccination mandate is another tool to use in the fight against COVID. We've taken many steps to try to keep kids safe in school. Uh, This is another important step. I would also point out that uh, some school districts are taking further steps as well. So I view the governor's orders over the minimum we need to maintain safety with vaccinations. But this is still an important announcement and a declaration of intent that uh, will hopefully help school districts and parents understand that we're going to do what it takes to keep their children safe and keep them in school so they can learn. The governor's office says that based on current estimates around when FDA approval will happen, the new regulations are expected to apply to grades 7 to 12 beginning in July of 2022. Students in kindergarten through sixth grade will be phased in after the vaccine is approved for them. 
In surveys, half of Californians say they have to wait too long to see a mental health provider when they need one. A new bill currently on the governor's desk would require health insurers to reduce those wait times to no more than 10 business days. KQED's health correspondent April Domboski explains. When Greta Christina fell into a deep depression five years ago, she called up her therapist, someone she'd had a great connection with when she needed therapy in the past. And she found out he was now on staff at Kaiser Permanente. And so I was like, great, I have Kaiser. I'm just going to see my therapist through Kaiser. That's perfect. She was happy she wouldn't have to pay out of pocket anymore. At first, her therapist was able to see her every couple weeks. Not ideal, but it was enough. And then it just started being every three weeks, every four weeks. Now I'm lucky if I see him every five or six weeks. She says it's been like this for a couple years now. To tell somebody with serious, chronic, disabling depression that they can only see their therapist every five or six weeks is like telling somebody with a broken leg that they can only see their physical therapist every five or six weeks. It's not enough. It's not even close to enough. The depression is catching up with her. Christina says she's starting to have memory loss. She can't stay focused. She can barely get out of bed in the morning. Then, over the summer, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I need to be in therapy. I have cancer. And still nothing has changed. Everything related to her cancer care has happened promptly. Her mammogram, mammogram then biopsy. biopsy. She got scheduled for surgery. Which is in October. Then started her prep appointments. Breast surgeon, plastic surgeon, oncologist. All like clockwork. It is a well-oiled machine. But she still has to wait six weeks to see her therapist. It is a hot mess. It just feels so unethical, honestly. It feels so unethical. Brandy Plumley is a triage therapist at Kaiser's Mental Health Clinic in Vallejo. Every day, she takes multiple crisis calls from patients who have a therapist but can't get in to see them. She says a typical wait right now is two months. Their caseloads are enormous at this point. It's heartbreaking. It really is heartbreaking. And it eats on me day after day after day. That's why she got involved in legislation that would require health insurers across the state to make sure mental health appointments are available every two weeks. What Kaiser simply needs to do is hire more clinicians. But Kaiser says there just aren't enough out there. Health insurance companies initially opposed the bill, saying a shortage of therapists would make it too difficult to meet the two-week mandate. Lobbyist Jed Hampton testified in the Senate last spring. The COVID-19 pandemic has only exacerbated this workforce shortage as demand for these services has significantly increased. Simply put, mandating increased frequency of appointments without addressing the underlying workforce shortage will not lead to increased quality of care. But lawmakers countered and said the shortage was overstated, and insurers would have to pay better rates to attract more therapists. As support for the bill grew, insurers withdrew their opposition. The bill passed in a near-unanimous vote and is now on the governor's desk. I am desperate for this bill to get signed. Greta Christina says she's thought about looking for a new therapist outside Kaiser, but she says it's too hard to think of starting over with someone new while she's in the middle of a crisis. The governor has until mid-October to sign or veto the bill. If he signs, the new mandates will take effect in July of next year. For the California Report, I'm April Domboski.
California's statewide eviction moratorium has expired, and now many tenants are looking for rent relief and legal guidance. KQED housing reporter Molly Solomon got a first-hand look at that inside a busy tenant attorney's office. The minute you walk into the Oakland offices of the Eviction Defense Center, you see lots and lots of folders piling up on people's desks, overflowing from boxes. So these are all the Berkeley open applications that need rental assistance. And Tamiko Amora showed me inside. She's the center's executive director. It's oh kind my of intense. God. So that's what all of these boxes are everywhere. Yes. It's just so many of them. To reach as many people as they can, her office has been working 11-hour days and on weekends. About a half dozen employees sit close together wearing masks. The morning I visit is the first day after the state's eviction moratorium expired. Eviction Defense Center. Um, Mass is calling? Our phones have been going off the charts since this morning. There's a ton of messages this morning. So. Eric Magania is a case manager. He's fielding calls and texts and helps a man who walks into the office looking for help with rent. He's just going to start collecting his documents and stuff so they can upload them into the portal today. Okay. The man didn't want to be interviewed, but he was carrying a crumpled list of different aid groups. He said he'd been walking to different places all morning, but this was the first one he found that was open. He's behind on his rent and his utility bills, but he happens to be in Oakland, and Oakland happens to be accepting applications starting today, so it's perfect timing. Other employees, like office manager Amanda Lara, are calling people back who left voicemails. So you were a healthcare worker. What was your income a month? Rough estimate, my dear. 4000 a month, and then you were in school too? Oh, wow, that's great. So full-time student and full-time worker and a single mom. She says they're helping a lot of people with rent relief. But in the last few weeks, the type of calls have been changing. More people are looking for legal advice on evictions. We had like 20 voicemails within an hour or two, just people asking like, can my landlord evict me? My landlord's telling me I have to go. I just received this type of notice. Tamika Omura expects to get a lot more calls and have to defend a lot of cases in eviction court in the months ahead. Notices are getting served today. We're definitely getting the first wave of calls, but um, I think it's going to snowball. She knows they'll be stretched thin, but worries if they can't defend people, many of them will end up with an eviction on their record and without a place to live. For The California Report, I'm Molly Solomon. And finally this morning, there's labor unrest in Hollywood. Over the weekend, members of IATSE, which represents tens of thousands of skilled workers in the film and television industry, cast ballots on whether to approve a strike. The results will be released today. IATSE's members include just about everybody behind the cameras, from cinematographers and editors to script supervisors and makeup artists. If they do strike, film and TV productions would essentially come to a standstill still. Richard Ruiz, who spoke to the California Report at an organizing event over the weekend, works on Dancing with the Stars. He says grueling work schedules, which Ayatsi wants to see changed, have become common in the industry as productions emerge from the pandemic. You know, the industry is a tough industry. People think it's all glamour and, and uh, you know, glitter. And it really, it's, it's hard work. And, you know, we want a little recognition for our hard work and, and not so much uh, getting beat down for it, you know. One key demand from Hollywood workers is a bigger slice of profits earned through streaming television, which has changed the economics of the film and TV business in recent years. Sharon Amir is an assistant editor and a spokesperson for younger workers in the film and television business. 
you know, all these big companies are making millions and millions of dollars over streaming, especially during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And this is on, it's from our hard work. And so we deserve streaming residuals to be donated to our pension that is very underfunded right now because the pension was somewhat also relying on DVDs. You know that? DVDs are kind of dead. I've heard that. Yeah. So if our pension is going to rely on DVDs, it's not going to do very well. We We need streaming residuals to sustain this pension. IATSE is negotiating with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. Last week, 50 members of California State Senate and Assembly sent a letter to the producers group, urging it to negotiate with Hollywood worker representatives in good faith to reach a fair deal. And that is the California Report for Monday, October 4th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and talk to you tomorrow. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. The James Irvine Foundation. Committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. 
the land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.